0: should i introduce no
1: i'll do it I'll do it. all right okay you go
0: oh no i just had the relief of not having to do it there for a split <laughs> second <laughs> okay right now, so. i'll do it then i'll do it next time
1: okay hi everyone welcome to chats over coffee with my yoga teacher i am the yoga teacher my name is kayla and i'm here with peter hi peter
0: Say hello. Hello, Um, um, I'm your student and also I do stand-up comedy as well. If you're listening in real time, it's August 2023, but you can be listening whenever because it doesn't matter. It's all evergreen and like it should, you know, still, so don't stop listening (laughs) if it's December or whatever. But before it starts, we're going to tell you what we're both doing in August in case you're around now and you want to get involved with uh, other, So, so what, so tell me what you're doing in August if you're doing anything yeah so save the i haven't got any (laughs) (laughs) let me
1: just let me just take over (laughs) so i haven't got anything um massively like big or any massive launches or anything like that going on in august but i still have a yoga class three days a week online classes three days a week anybody can join from anywhere in the world so definitely join and i also do online coaching so i do group sessions which i don't have any planned at the moment but keep an eye out and i also do one-to-one sessions you know when you really want to work on something private and that can be something like back pain or physical issues or it can be bigger than that you know life-changing transformations if that's something that you're looking for so it's all on my website but what are you doing
0: your is website you? is called kayla yeah yes there's a link below it,
1: yeah it's just my name kayla mccormack.com
0: so in august i am doing some interesting gigs so i'm in budapest doing uh, the biggest outdoor music festival outside of glastonbury in europe wow well, yeah, say that, but then they have gotta do twenty five minutes to a load of people that don't have English and there's a first language of a load of noise bleed, so it might be rubbish. But you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm also doing a wellness festival in Gloucestershire called Soul Circus Festival, I think. And it's like a it's got loads of mindfulness and yoga retreat. Bits. So maybe there's you a should dem- ask
1: them if they know you from this podcast because maybe they thought we were a duo and that, yeah. that's why they hired you and then you're going to show up by yourself and they're going to be like, well, oh, where's gail
0: Maybe that's why the fee was so good. um <laughs> So otherwise, if you follow my Instagram and stuff, if I am doing anything, like if I do write another Substack piece and stuff, it'll all be posted up on there.
1: I wanted to say that I completely forgot that I am doing something in August. <laughs> so. At the moment I teach online every Tuesday at lunchtime here in England and it is a focus class and normally this focus changes from week to week but recently I've decided that the next 14 classes they are all about the body there are recordings of the classes if you can't attend live and the really interesting topics so We've talked about the brain. We've Our next class is going to be on wrists and arms. We've talked about lungs and breath work. So if you're interested in learning about your body, you have an area you want to learn about, then I would recommend one of these classes. And if you're not quite sure, then just get in touch. And again, go to my website, find me on social media, because this is a great opportunity for, you know, really good quality kind of learning class rather than just like a yoga class to move there's a lot of information in these but a lot of anatomy focus information
0: oh and it's sort of half on that i forgot to mention that there's a specific youtube channel for this podcast now because apparently nobody under the age of 30 listens to podcasts on a podcast app okay you have to put it yeah. on youtube so everything is in the process of going on youtube so it may be that awesome by the time this comes out not every single episode will be there. They'll also have no views because no, no, no one would have watched them. So I'm going to end up putting playlists on there so that I'll stick a lot of the anatomy ones together and all the knee armors and all the armors will be in the same ah, playlist. That's a so good idea. That'll be a, a hopefully a good resource. So the yeah. YouTube channel is just, you would just type in the name of this podcast or because it's such a bloody long title, the or, or it's <laughs> at the initials of the podcast. So it's C O C W M. Y-T-pod.
1: Wow, well yeah. done. I was doing it with my fingers then, yeah, yeah, like, is he going to so- get it right? <laughs> <laughs> mm, lots of news for August.
0: Yeah, too much, <laughs> if anything. It's going to be a long intro, but uh, anyway. So, <laughs> Sorry,
1: thanks Thanks for your patience.
0: So yeah, let's make like, the, shall we just, uh, and the thing can start now, can't it? So
1: Yeah, we'll start now. I used to do this trick because we did a lot of backpacking around Europe. I used to do this trick where I would take my sarong and I would take it around the hand loop at the top of my backpack I would wrap it around that and then flap it over my bag so my bag was just covered with it so nobody could get to any of the zippers or pouches without it being really obvious. So that was my pickpocket deterrent.
0: This is just for <laughs> so much wisdom. <laughs> I remember getting confused, obviously. This is the classic British-American sort of thing. But uh, the belly, or we, we, we call them bum bags, but of course that's not what the Americans... Yeah, but they
1: don't go on your bum, so that's a bit weird.
0: Well, Americans are calling them fanny packs, which is more accurate, but <laughs> <laughs> it's... I remember asking what that word meant when I was young and being told it meant the other side. I think that maybe there's an archaic British slang that it is actually for your bum, but it's not Uh. widely used and it can make you look very stupid at school. So I think parents should just level with their kids and tell them what all the swear words mean because you're going to find out anyway and you're just going to look stupid when you start guessing.
1: Yeah, And then one day when you're young enough, you do something where you use a word that you thought was a euphemism that wasn't a euphemism and then your parents get really angry at you for swearing and then you're like, but I didn't know it was a swear word. And then they go, yeah, I did. And then, yeah. So you might as well just tell them. Exactly. If you're just honest with people,
0: there's not going to be any, like, just say, look, don't use these There's in no a certain going. company and stuff. But here's... Yeah, you just cause more yeah. problems down the line. It's my attitude. <laughs> if I ever... If I ever have a child, i just yeah. be like, first word, mama. Next word, dada. Then, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> have we not had a breath focused podcast yet
0: i don't think so you've you sometimes talk about pranayama and prana being life force and breath and you've mentioned that a few times that's in your greatest hits reel probably (laughs) but in terms of actually doing breathing techniques and all that sort of thing I don't think we have done anything like that
1: So I'm really surprised No, but that's really good I don't mind Because I've, I've got that there it's
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, uh, Well
1: So what what are your questions then?
0: I remember being told years ago When I had some mild anxiety thing Oh. Okay. I was told to do breathing exercises yep. And the only thing I remember from that Is being told If you do a longer exhale than you inhale I don't know how you can exhale more carbon dioxide is that possible? But apparently, it was more soothing to do that. that yeah. it would calm you down more. And that's all I can really remember. From, like longer inhales and exhales is better than short ones for yeah. You know, if you're feeling jittery or whatever.
1: So specifically around that, so you're talking about like breathing exercises that help with maybe anxiety or nerves or stress or you know those kind of like feelings in the body. So basically, when um you don't feel very good and you can you can flip this on its head you can say it both ways it's what it doesn't really matter but when you don't feel good your breathing changes so you have short faster breaths so i know we've talked about the nervous system in the past and the nervous system your your parasympathetic nervous system so that's the side of your nervous system that kind of is automatic functions and governs like your digestion and your sleep and it governs your healing That kind of thing kicks in when we're, well, when we're asleep, when we're resting and the opposite of that, your sympathetic nervous system, the one that's like your fight or flight response, I know it's it's not always quite as black and white as that, but that kind of feeling of like rushness and anxious and anxiety that is obviously intended to get us up, get us going, get us ready to run, you know, you know, really increases your heart rate, all that kind of stuff. And that is directly connected to your breathing. So if you take rapid, fast breaths, like say if you did it when you were tired. So one of the breathing techniques that we do is kapal parti which is a um, fast exhalation through the nose. I like doing so, that, by the way.
0: I think it's... Yeah, I know it's why, a good one. I just, it... it's, and maybe there's a challenge element to it. And obviously me being, you know, very macho, I like the... Uh, <laughs> I it I've the heard end, it but... called
1: breath of fire. But then when I've searched on Google breath of fire, I found multiple variations. So you have to be a little bit careful when you search for things on Google. But the Kapol party is a fast... Ex- so it sounds like this... <laughs> So it's just focusing on the exhale. That one is intended to bring extra oxygen into the body and to wake the brain up a little bit. And that will genuinely like start to activate your sympathetic, your sympathetic nervous system. It wakes you up. It turns you into your like alert stage. So the opposite of that breathing, that long, slow exhale will jet will actually slow down the heart rate. So your heart actually changes its beat based on your breathing. So if you can get yourself to breathe out more than you breathe in, you're practicing, you know, getting into that kind of rest stage and turning that off. So your breath is like your bridge between your nervous system, which is automatic, your automatic side of your nervous system and your actual like how you feel in your brain and stuff like that so your emotions it's a fantastic way to con- to start to change how you feel especially for anxiety it makes a very big difference for that but for other things as well like I was saying you can take those deep breaths and bellows breaths where you breathe into the belly kind of quick <laughs> Like your bellies a bellows.
0: <laughs> I'm always very confused by this free part breath where you can breathe into your belly and the lower part of your chest and then the upper part of the chest. But you're not... Yeah. Your lungs aren't that big though, are they? So what, no. so what is actually going on? Where's the air going in that?
1: So basically with your lungs... This is a fun test. I like to do this one. So if you kind of imagine in your head at the front of your body... So at the front of your chest, where you think your lungs are, unless you have done medical training and you actually know about the body, a lot of people don't understand where their lungs are. They just have this general idea that they've got massive two big lungs, you know. Directly really behind actually, your ribs or
0: something, you probably think.
1: Actually, yeah, exactly. But actually, the ribs at the front of the body only come three or four ribs down. So they're above, they're just below the collarbone and maybe a couple ribs. And they're above the collarbone. So when you see in movies where people get shot in their shoulder, they're getting shot in their lung. It's extremely dangerous. And they never show it as, as dangerous right. as it really is. <laughs> but anyway.
0: Has that ruined a lot of Tarantino films for you?
1: <laughs> Honestly, I've watched so many films I'm like, I'm sure they should be having problems. But I did actually watch something recently and he had a collapsed lung. And I was like, yes, that is because it's in his lung. Anyway. <laughs> so not talking about film. But yeah, so your, your lungs are quite high up. On your body at the front but because we're 3d obviously we're not paper your lungs actually go down, so they're kind of like a, 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 a odd shape. They're not symmetrical. From you mean front down to the back.
0: back? You mean rather yeah. than yeah? So your
1: front. lungs come all the way down to like your lower ribs at your back of your body. So if you put your hands back there, like your lungs go all the way back there. So it's kind of like a almost like a C shape, but you know, obviously, it's not thin. You know, it's a lung shape. It's just showing that your lungs aren't like this this perfectly symmetrical circle or this bag of air. You know, they're they're an interesting shape, and we can as humans control how we breathe so one of the things that I've done in some of my classes is you can put your hands on your lower ribs under your chest kind of like at the front of your body and you can breathe so that those ribs move so that you feel your hands move under your rib you know your rib cage moves and then you can do your hands on your belly like around your belly button and you can make a point to breathe so that your belly moves out that's a completely different breath And your lung, your rib cage will move less when you're focusing on breathing the belly out. So what's happening is you're choosing what muscle groups to help with your breath. So you have your diaphragm, which does the breathing, basically. The majority of your breath and emptying and filling the lungs happens when the diaphragm moves. A relaxed diaphragm is an exhale. So like you're not really breathing very hard. But when you're inhaling, that's your diaphragm moving to pull air in, to make a, a vacuum in a sense. And then air comes in and you take that breath because there's empty space and it needs to be full with something. So your diaphragm is your main breathing muscle, but loads of muscles are accessory breathing muscles. The muscles in your neck, the muscles down the sides of your ribs, your little intercostal muscles, little, little tiny ones in between the ribs, muscles in the back all help with your breath. So when you decide where you're sending the breath, for want of a better word, and you're like when you're in a yoga stretch and they go, breathe into the left side, and you're like, "Uh, surely I'm just breathing. Um, You can actually imagine sending the breath into that by just using those muscles more. So you're kind of trying to send the signals to the area where you wanna stretch in a sense. So you breathe deep so that when you're leaning off to one side for that side stretch, and you breathe into the side that's open. You're just kind of sending the mind there to make sure those muscles are stretching and engaging to make that space for the breath.
0: Because I thought it was some sort of illusion for a second, like you weren't really doing it from your belly. But yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you think it, if you think it, it kind of your, happens. Your like, lungs aren't it. in your belly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we know that (laughs) but it's all like
0: in a way I guess it's a psychological trick because it's like the whole Mm. thing about consciousness and you're not really seeing through your eyes it's all generated in your brain anyway so if you're concentrating your new if you if this is actually what happens if you're concentrating your neuro receptors to a certain part of your body you'll think you'll be more conscious of that anyway exactly so if you meditate and you concentrate on your breath you can concentrate on your breath in different areas of your body anyway you can do it in your abdomen or or in your throat or whatever you just choose where to focus on don't
1: you? exactly so we have breathing techniques that focus on the throat um your ujjayi breath is that that whooshy noise in your throat so kind of like when you fog up a mirror do you, do you sort of like, like close
0: your throat up slightly at the back is that
1: yeah so yeah. if you were to fog up a mirror and you go <sighs> that is exactly it that's it that's what you want to do but instead of doing it through your mouth. You want to try to keep your mouth closed and do it through your nose. And some traditions, you do it both on the inhale and the exhale. Sometimes they only teach it on the exhale. I don't know if that's just to make sure people don't get dizzy or, you know, it, the, the, it is a bit like play around with it a little bit, have have fun kind of thing. It's not all set in stone. <laughs> but the Ujjayi breath, I would say, is inhale and exhale. Um, is that but just I know purely like a,
0: turn... trying to slow your breath down sort of thing, another technique? Or is there something specific mm, about is. that technique?
1: That's... Um, it's supposed to be kind of clearing for the throat and help with not getting sore throats. Does it? I don't know <laughs> if any actual like medical papers have been done on that, though. I, I, I haven't found any. Yeah, haven't how could you do...
0: It, you though. couldn't do a control test for that, though, could you? Because... I know. Like...
1: <laughs> Would you have to give everyone a sore throat who decided to join your... <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, but also, isn't there, there must be a placebo effect potentially to that as well, if you think you're... Yeah because didn't you tell me once that and this not to shatter the illusion of like yoga being beneficial <laughs> but didn't you say to me once that if you did a yoga class and you called it yoga for whatever like back health or hip health yes. or flexibility it would psychologically you would feel like you had improved whatever
1: yes but you just pointed out something just a second ago if you go to a class they did the study basically showed that if people go to a class that is told they told, have been told this will take away your back pain this will help your back pain they feel better than people who do the same movements but were never told it was for back pain just say it's yeah. yoga so that so that study showed that that was definitely something that happened it was in the mind but is that because when they go with the intention of healing their back that their actual neuroprocessors and stuff are actually sending that signal down to the back so that they are really paying attention more than if they just went to a yoga class you know what I mean maybe it's not all just in your head maybe it's not the placebo effect maybe it's their actual focusing is different if you tell them it's going to do something different Mm. maybe maybe
0: yeah
1: (laughs) very big maybe (laughs) so yeah so the breathing techniques tend to have a focus you tend to have a reason behind them uh your jayi breath for your throat I mean whether you believe that actually helps sore throats or not it does engage the muscles in the throat
0: I don't Um, really like doing it Ujai, yeah, I, I don't like yeah. doing it like, in and out the nose. I, I don't I, I feel like it goes out the mouth, but in the nose. In yeah, the, I don't know. I think uh, yeah, I think another teacher says that's okay. Not that I'm.
1: <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> okay, there is nothing wrong with breathing through your mouth, but breathing through your nose is the most healthy way to breathe. It filters the air. It warms the air. It is the healthiest way for us to breathe. So even when you're doing like breathing exercises, it is healthier to breathe through the nose, especially if you can keep that habit up throughout your day. But there's nothing wrong breathing through your mouth. And if you feel like you need to breathe, then breathe. Like obviously don't feel like you have to do something so that you feel uncomfortable because the feeling of being uncomfortable is also going to have the opposite effect. It's not going to wake you up. It's, it's going to wake you up. It's going to make you nervous, anxious. going to make your heart beat a little bit. But I would say, like, just be mindful that you're trying because one of the things that is really so, if you were to talk about healthy breath, there's kind of like three things that we want to pay attention to for our breathing. One is like chemical, so your CO2 tolerance. The other one is mechanical, so like movement, how you can actually breathe. And the other one is frequency. So, in terms of like, Chemical, your CO2 tolerance is really important. So that's why I say, like, if you were to breathe like your jai breath or something else, something like your Bellows breath or your Kapal Parti, there's really fast, deep, there's loads of air coming into the body. That's not a healthy way to breathe all the time. You want to have more CO2 tolerance. And if you breathe like that, you wouldn't get that CO2 tolerance. So something you can practice is holding your breath, you know, just taking a small breath in, maybe a count of four or five. And then holding again for probably about the same kind of count. You could work up a little bit, you could count to like 20, something like that, and then exhale and kind of see how that feels and how that kind of feels in the body and how that goes. Obviously, there is some contraindications to holding your breath. You shouldn't hold your breath if you're pregnant. Uh, not that you have that problem. <laughs> no, not yet. Um, Technology and you should never quiet, hold your breath. Anyway. <laughs> You should never hold your breath longer than two minutes
0: i remember when i was a kid i used to drive well i didn't used to drive when we ever used to drive through the dartford (laughs) tunnel i used to try and hold my breath all the way through Mm. and i never made it as an adult i've tried to do it as well and Mm. um i still haven't made it but i really feel bad towards the end like well how long is it It's definitely over a minute
1: Okay.
0: I thought being an adult, I'd be able to do it, you know. I was like, I've yeah. done yoga for a few years and fully grown yeah. lungs. and Fully grown lungs. <laughs>
1: I, thought,
0: I thought I'd manage it.
1: There's nothing wrong with kind of challenging yourself a little bit, but it's worth bearing in mind that, you know, it, when you hold your breath longer than two minutes, stuff starts to happen in the brain.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it
1: is, it is important that you are a bit mindful of what you're doing. And, there's, and to be honest, for your average person, there's no need. There's no need to try to hold your breath longer than like 60 seconds. That's plenty of time. You know, that's going to change your your CO2 tolerance, your lung capacity. Everything could be very happy with that kind of time. If you're kind of like us where you don't really live in a warm place and perhaps you don't necessarily go swimming all the time, there might be the fact that you just never hold your breath. You know, I would say I probably never hold my breath because I have no need to hold my breath. So making that part of my yoga classes means that I sometimes hold my breath. It's it's probably pretty good for me because it's just not something I do very often. But like if you were going to be, if you wanted to be more than that, if you wanted to hold your breath for longer, then obviously I would recommend getting a professional breathing coach who would, you know, like swimmers do, you know, because some of the deep sea swimmers, they can hold their breath for ages.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like uh,
1: 10 minutes or something
0: ridiculous. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: Which they obviously need a lot of training for. People
0: that do escape <laughs> escape things, you know, like uh, yeah, put themselves yeah. in the chest and stuff.
1: Basically, I was saying was like that CO2 tolerance is important. So you want to build that up. But unless you want to go into a weird career like that, like something unique, there's no need to be forceful about it. Just holding your breath for a little bit is plenty. Because it's really just about doing, not doing the opposite. So when we breathe like really quick and really fast and really deep all the time, we're kind of flooding ourselves with oxygen. And when there's more CO2 in the blood, the hemoglobin actually releases oxygen easier and the blood vessels expand. Like it's actually good for you to have CO2 in your blood. Obviously not too much, not too little, you mm. know, a, a nice balance of it. So if, you, so you, if you've ever seen, um, I think lifeguards do it, obviously not at your local pool, but like at uh, oceans and stuff, they do like a quick breath before they dive in because it brings extra oxygen into the body and they can hold their breath longer. So it, it, you, want, you don't wanna be doing that because that's not good for you unless you're gonna go diving. So it's kind of like finding the opposite of that kind of fast breathing so you can hold your breath longer so that you have a natural, comfortable breath throughout like your day, you know. Um, so that's kind of the idea for the, the chemical side of it.
0: Do animals um, feel like, um, it'll have the same effect in animals, won't it? I mean, like if you were like a, a rat or something, and you were in an anxious situation, I guess your breathing would change accordingly, yeah. wouldn't you? But, oh, a, yeah, but a rat wouldn't know, would it, that it should do slower breaths and calm itself down? Or is that?
1: Probably not. But, you, but I've heard that like certain animals do do things. So I know like um, ducks will get into, like male ducks that are being a bit dominant or whatever, you know, they might get into a bit of a... fight they tend to squawk and stuff and flap their wings but then after the fight they might still flap their wings and they might still try and release energy and like do odd things that you kind of think like what's that for you know and it's not it's not still part of the fight it's almost like they're trying to calm down or something which i don't know if that's 100% true but i thought it was an interesting idea
0: because do animals don't have i literally heard someone talking about this earlier do animals not Mm. have the sense of anxiety that humans have because they're less able to predict things that will happen in the future they're less able to worry about stuff that would happen whereas we can and maybe this is not true and maybe this is just like living with a human focus again and we don't but certainly for some animals they wouldn't i would imagine that they don't worry themselves with things that might happen as much as we do surely
1: i think i think that. Might be the case, but only because they have very physical lives. You don't have a dog trying to pay the bills.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) well, yeah.
1: But dogs can very much so be afraid of areas where they've had incidents.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, right. So if they've
1: been in a dog fight or something and then you take them back to that place, they will show it you know like mm. they might be nervous or they might wrap around you or they might not want to go that way or something so so it can to some extent they can feel similar yeah but okay but,
0: but uh, we'll put it another way not the can sexist. they yeah in, in terms of they not being the same size you could just sit in a room and think and not change the environment at all and think about stuff that could worry you and make you anxious Could yeah you? whereas that wouldn't yeah. happen to a dog i wouldn't for would it
1: I don't I don't I, I, I don't think so Dog no. would
0: just lick its balls Or something And just you know. <laughs> And just chill out Yeah you know. yeah But So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if That's true yeah. So I, I heard A biologist say That we are the only Animals He thinks That can whip ourselves up Into a state of anxiety From nothing um, mm. because of the way that we can conceptualize things to worry about in such a way that yeah, other animals... Yeah, because of our big brains. And it might not be true. Uh, maybe it does happen with we just don't see it so readily in mm. in certain, maybe in advanced primates it happens or whatever. But um, mm.
1: It'd be interesting to study that idea in something like a tribal environment. You know, some of the tribes that still live in the Amazon or something, how much do they worry about like their next meal or if the p- little crop is going to grow or something, you know? probably would because obviously they have good brains like us but then are they worrying because they live so closely in relation to nature and the environment stuff do they still worry about it i think we're only worrying because we're like a slave to consumerism
0: yeah but why was where where (laughs) does i remember this from my um initial learning about anxiety sort of moments that does an anxiety stem from a fear of getting the basics or hang on that sounds no try again (laughs) yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it comes yeah yeah sorry okay so in the past we had to if there was a lion about you'd worry about the lion wouldn't you mm. and the lion's not here anymore but you've still got the same instincts for worrying about the lion but it's not a lion anymore it's no, whether something else is going to happen or something yeah, <laughs> yeah that sort of yeah. thing so they're almost sort of like lizard brain traits that are still there I maybe anxiety mm. and also adrenaline and stuff is all kind of interconnected in in that yeah we've got a new world now where you get the same reaction to things that in the past would have literally been like a life or death sort of like your heart's beating because yeah you, know, you have you've got to get away from something but now it's just well unless it's a bailiff then (laughs) that's bill's situation there's almost like an overblown physical reaction to some things sometimes Uh, but not to say that you can't be anxious about very serious things obviously you you can but that's where the emotions and the reactions stem from is from the Mm -hmm. early human development of when we have more predators to worry about and other things and it all any any sort of anxiety doesn't it stem from partly like oh i need to get you know some food in i need to make sure we've got shelter i need to make sure everybody's okay because that's a Survival. Mm-hmm. I mean, evolutionary, you'd be more successful if you were to worry about things that you need to sort out rather than just be like, ah, it'll be fine because who's yeah. going to survive no, in that situation? Yeah, our our so, brains are yeah.
1: designed to keep us alive and then that means that we need to think about everything
0: all the time so we're always worried because it could always be better we could yeah. always be more secure and better and have a bit we can always we've yeah. got we've got money but we could always have a bit more to be a bit more secure <laughs> and we could always
1: yeah you know, yeah i mean the majority of people are definitely in the case where it's like oh i could always have a little bit more of everything and then that would make me feel a bit or maybe there's something else you know because like there's never enough true anybody, security is, it, so is not really a thing you know it's not really it's very rare i would say because you have like well you could lose your job and then you know what would you do um most of the world doesn't have free health care so what would you do if you got that and then what if what would you do if your insurance didn't pay for it and you know true security when you really come down to it is actually a really difficult thing to guarantee
0: nothing's secure because what if there was a, well, a nuclear event or something like that then money's useless <laughs> And,
1: yeah, well there's that as well. Yeah. Know. Okay, natural disasters. Sorry, I've read The Rose yeah. too
0: recently, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, I was thinking more like in terms of like what would I do if, you know, this happened or if that happened, assuming not worldwide disasters. Your tribe would you should take care of you, you know, like if but then nowadays we don't live like that. So there is no buddy to We have take tribes, care of us. but there are
0: people on the internet so. that agree with what we say. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. not going to be any use. They're all in their parents' basements anyway, aren't they? The other side of the world. So <laughs> exactly. I don't.
1: I just mean like you know, if you were if you were really close knit little communities, like in the old, you know, way back, you know, mm. then potentially it, they would take care of you. I heard it's and fifty that would be people. Part of that security. So.
0: I heard fifty people <laughs> was the is the ideal tribe.
1: Oh, that sounds nice. In terms of
0: like living with, because too much yeah. too much that, like in terms of tensions and all being able to mm. kind of get along and stuff. I heard fifty was was perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds good.
0: I reckon three. That's my. <laughs> that's a...
1: Not sure about yeah. that one. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a night
0: nice pick, I think.
1: I was thinking two, so. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Me, I'm a right.
0: partner, and a, a guy I can snagger off to. <laughs> Not really.
1: So I think we have to kind of make the choice to try to acknowledge that our brain has these pathways of, like, trying to keep us safe, which is, like you're saying, kind of interpreting the future, guessing how things are going to go, you know, stuff like that, which we would sometimes class as worry, you know, when it gets really bad. So a way to kind of help yourself is to acknowledge that that's natural and good but then to try and stop it so when you notice yourself going down a proper worry path and you can actually usually a lot of the time you can feel that as well like you get tension in the neck you get maybe a stomach ache you know things actually start to change in the body tightness in the chest that's a really common one for anxiety and you feel that tightness there using the Um, toilet yeah well obviously (laughs) that helps I don't want to be graphic Um, or anything
0: but like that's the sort of thing comedians when they're especially quite new, there's often, like, if you have one toilet in a green room, then uh, it's used a lot.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, like, yeah, the nervous trips to the loo, absolutely, 100%.
0: Well, you're about to go into battle, so... you imagine the queue in the First World War before they were about (laughs) to go over for the toilets? They must have been...
1: Oh my god, maybe... mm, That sounds awful. But they did, there was something about that, right? Someone attacked the toilets?
0: Oh, they probably did, yeah.
1: It's like, the one thing you're not supposed to do... Or whatever, yeah, well, not, not necessarily cricket, a war it, crime, but... but you know what I mean? Like, it's just not something you're supposed to do. But then I don't did, think it's in, the, it's in, the, in the Geneva
0: Convention that you can't bomb the toilets or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> the Geneva Convention's oh, 1948 yeah. or 9, anyway, isn't it? The Geneva right. war crimes came in after the Second World War because, oh,
1: I didn't know that no, because
0: all of the bombing that the Allied bombing in Germany, like the Dresden mm. bombing and the Hamburg fire bombings and stuff like that, would definitely be a war crime now but
1: right.
0: back then they weren't classed as such and they just um, brought them in after we won and could say that <laughs> but, yeah. but not that i am it it's obviously terrible it. things to have done obviously like i mean the yeah. devastation of those places is awful you haven't read um what's it kurt vandergan's book it's really good um slaughterhouse five yeah no. it's so good i recommend it anyway so I mean, yeah. me recommending a very successful book that most people know about if they're somewhat It's really not. <laughs> so, oh, you should really check out a bit of uh, Jane Austen as well if you <laughs> if you get the chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I do like Jane Austen, but I'm just saying like it sounds so. You should really check out The Godfather. Okay, um, the Beatles, the beat. Yeah, check out them.
1: Uh, have you heard of them? They're really good. <laughs> So, so yeah, so what, what were we talking about? Uh, oh yeah, nervousness and stuff. Yeah. So all I was saying was like, if you're nervous, that you should know that that's normal. Like all these kind of symptoms of that is normal, but that you can control it a little bit. So if you notice you're going down that worry path to try and just stop, you know, literally get yourself out of the spiral, you can do that physically. Or just, you know, mentally or whatever. You know, that's one of the reasons why people like to do meditation. Yeah, I was going
0: to pop in at some point and say that. that Yeah, I thought
1: you might. (laughs) But the thing is, is I've said it a few times, but every time you use pathways, nerve pathways, so that includes pathways in the brain, so like areas of the brain, every time you use them, it gets easier to use them. So I kind of like to use the analogy of like a path in the woods you know like you might find a deer path and it's kind of a path but you're not 100% sure and then you find like a path that someone is like I don't know paved over and it's like definitely a hiking path and it leads to this trail or whatever it's like well that's clear when you use something more and more it gets clearer and clearer and easier and easier to follow that path and it's a bit annoying because obviously we want to change the way we think but that's the easiest path that's the path of least resistance for the energy to flow Mm. so you have to choose to stop and go down the hard path you have to choose to not think about it, even though it seems like that would be silly or wouldn't work, it will eventually catch up with you, and then it won't be the path of least resistance for for your thoughts and for your energy to flow. <laughs> and then, like you're saying, just finding techniques that help. So maybe those slow, deep breaths, like you were saying, that long, slow exhale to activate your vagus nerve and your parasympathetic nervous system, and movement. Because I know, um, because I talked about like movement as part of dysfunctional breathing. I say if you breathe like Ujjayi breath all the time, that would be dysfunctional breathing. That wouldn't be very healthy for you, obviously. But there are lots of things that can start that. So like if you're in pain, you tend not to take a deep breath, especially if it's somewhere in your middle, you know. Mm -hmm. So noticing if you got yourself into a habit, even if it's from something very genuine. Oh, and um, since we're talking about breath, there is something called breath work. And breath work is intended to like be therapeutic I haven't actually done much with breath work in terms of actually doing it myself I'm certainly not trained in it but like some people say you can treat trauma with breath work and stuff like that like and you can um, change how you feel and stuff with with some breath work which which is very interesting but not something that I've done much with
0: I heard you can treat trauma with uh, magic mushrooms now.
1: Are they legal? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> but but they do in... You must... I mean, you, you look into the There's loads of research yeah. into how psychedelics could be potentially... This is a really cliched podcast thing to talk about psychedelics, it? Right. So let's not go too far down that night. But uh, there is research to say that you know, they, they are beneficial and, yeah. and stuff. I so I know someone that went on an ayahuasca retreat. They said that that cured loads of anxiety and stuff, but it's a very intense experience, so I'm not sure you're going to get it on the NHS.
1: I read that there was research done where people used a small dose of psychedelics under the care of someone, so, like, they would, I don't know, lay on the couch, you know. Microdosing, you I mean? No, no, not microdosing, like an actual dose, but not just, like, not, like, going crazy but with someone watching them and talking to them and that they and the people that were severely depressed who went down that treatment route only needed to have the treatment once a year to feel better I think the people who kind of were talking about it that was obviously talking about the the situation were just saying that I mean it sounds a bit conspiracy theory but they're just saying that nobody can make money from that
0: well of course they can't well yeah obviously they can't make money from one
1: treatment a year when you could put someone on pills where they pay 50 quid a month for or something you know what i mean like i know the nhs they're not going to make money from something you
0: can pick in yourself in a forest as well yeah (laughs) and then there's
1: that as well i mean obviously there is there is danger around taking anything that would potentially cause hallucination hallucinations and stuff and obviously like even before all the legality of drugs and stuff that even tribal people and things like that would use them in ceremonies they wouldn't just go around eating mushrooms all the time and you know <laughs> being bunkers. <laughs> you no, know, it's a ceremonial thing that they mushrooms do are to... different
0: to taking cocaine yeah, anyway. or something where you get a genuine addiction oh, to course. it i think if you did mushrooms you probably oh, you would only do it a couple of times a year i did them twice and that uh, you wouldn't want to do them straight after they were good mm-hmm. um one time i got told <laughs> off though because i did it at a festival and Mm. it's basically poison so I just um threw up into a bin uh, (laughs) after a bit and the bloke standing at the bin was some some steward or something and he told me off because it was for recycling
1: (laughs) it's funny because I read something recently about it it's not in the same kind of that one was talking about a specific study but I read something recently just about hallucinogenics in general and someone said like it's like If you could use the hallucinogenic to have a spiritual experience, whatever that means to you, you know, kind of getting to this point where you feel connected. Mm. Um, He liked to use the terms of being like, it's not us in nature, Nature, we are nature. There's no separateness there. And the separateness is creating an imbalance. You know, we need to believe that that's us and we are it, you know. So he was saying that this kind of drugs can help you feel that connectedness and things to the wider picture. And then when you come back down, it's almost like you know your goal, you know. So it's kind of like getting a sneak peek at the end or something. It's like, oh, right, that's what I'm trying to feel. So he was saying, like, it doesn't make sense if you try to explain your feelings to someone else because they are not they didn't that realization will only fit for you it won't work with anyone else especially you know if they're not having the same they won't have the same experience Yeah, they don't have
0: if they don't, have, if, they don't uh, if they haven't done it they probably would not be able to explain how exactly because i think that makes sense from the second time i did it i felt much like i was not i was i was going for a spell i was living in a situation that was not particularly good and didn't resolve things but i did feel psychologically things some things are clarified and stuff during during that so it was a therapeutic experience but it's very difficult to explain that to someone that wouldn't quite have the the same framework
1: basically if you've done it chemically you can kind of get back to that state in a different way if that was a was a spiritual state that you feel like you want to get back to you
0: can meditate and be very similar actually
1: and obviously these things like you're saying once or twice a year you know these things even in when they were common to be used they they weren't used as like oh I feel a bit sad today I'll go grab some things and put them into my body and maybe that'll make me feel bad you know that's not like it's not oh I've had a bit of a stressful day let me just take some drugs that's That's what alcohol
0: and <laughs> sugar is isn't it that's, that's exactly
1: that's not that's, that's a, not a how... crutch
0: it's not the same
1: type exactly
0: of thing. Uh, not to glamorize yeah.
1: no but i think you know some people everybody has a different life and everybody knows what their crutches is and some people might use even something like marijuana as a chance to have like a very gentle kind of experience that they would feel is spiritual and other people will use marijuana every time they have a bad day and it becomes this sort of like I'm not equal to deal with my feelings, so I'm just gonna, you know, Mm. drug them away. And people use pills for that as well. Legal pills, not illegal pills. (laughs) It's all about trying to understand, like, if if these are crutches or if these are things that are actually improving your life, you know, what are you learning? And And there's no, I think that's the hard bit, is like, there's no way to judge it. Only you know. Oh, so the last, one of the other common breathing techniques that I've taught in class is the three perfect breaths.
0: That sounds like the name of a shit band, it?
1: <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> no, it's just perfect breaths in general. But three or four is usually what people aim for. But if you can get to three, then hallelujah, because it's really difficult. So the idea is that you're supposed to only think about breathing in and breathing out, and nothing else, for three breaths in a row. And it's nearly impossible. You mm. know, it's so difficult not to have a single other little thought pop into the head even if it's just something like I'll oh, wiggle my foot what's that noise outside yeah what, you know it doesn't, it doesn't have to be disruptive or, or yes I've done or... too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah, Oop, right. that was too oh shoot exactly so it's just like um an idea to try and focus the mind
0: is that enough breath stuff do you think
1: oh yeah I'm happy with that do you yeah. feel like we I
0: thought it was great very good
1: oh good I'm really pleased with that I think it's great but like obviously I've got so many notes and so much that I could just keep going forever
0: well, you know, you, you can say that if, if, if this is not enough information and you wanna know more, then why not get in touch with, with Yeah, you and... get in
1: touch. I'm also like I have the recording of some of these classes that we talk about, you know, when I talk about breath work and functional breathing and stuff. So if you're interested in doing that, you know, sixty minute class, you can get the recording of the class as well. So message me. I'll only charge you three hundred pounds. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm joking. It's 10 pounds drop in or you can buy a class pass and that means that each class is 4 pounds. So much more reasonable.
0: The questions me. are free. Mm-hmm. Unless you take the piss. If you're like <laughs> every day. And <laughs> what about this? If
1: you start if you start annoying me then no, I'm joking.
0: If you understand boundaries it's free. <laughs>